Good morning. Good I thought morning. Rick might start the program with a Christmas song, but no, <laughs> we'll get there. Probably we'll close the program with a Christmas song, right? Uh, I was listening to Andy Williams, you know. Well, for all of you listening, we wish you a very Merry Christmas, and we hope you'll sit back, grab a cup of coffee, and enjoy this next half hour of the Prairie Doc Radio Program. Rick Holm is ready to answer any questions you might have of a medical nature. His specialty is internal medicine. He's worked with the Avira Medical Group Brookings and has served as a clinical professor at the University of South Dakota's Sanford School of Medicine. Yes. And I'm going to throw one more thing in. Yes. If you're thinking of calling in with a question, we always tell you it's 692-1430. However, we have many people now who are listening from faraway places because they can catch it online, they can catch it on KBRK's website. So if you want to call in a question and you're in Arizona or Timbuktu, you can just call us, but you have to throw in the area code. So if you're away, throw in 605-692-1430. Now we're ready for all your questions. We are. Yes. So uh, tomorrow night is another of the four recorded shows that we did in Rapid City. And we will have the Falkenberg uh, gals on the show tomorrow night. Uh, as you uh, might recall, it's the Joy Falkenberg uh, and her sister have been on several times. And then Joy has been on the show by herself several times. She's just a live wire. If you have not caught the show, this is the one to catch. They are a delight. They really are. They're the two something of sisters else. who both became physicians. Yes. Uh, they're both kind of famous for having been the the their county pig wrestling champions <laughs> year after year <laughs> you know they wouldn't you want to go to your doctor who could wrestle pigs yes, yes that would be do. my I goal mean, she is uh, they're they're uh, country <laughs> girls uh ranch girls and uh, uh it's interesting their their father was a phd but uh went into ranching while he was also teaching there's and a they long grew story. up in a ranch. They're yes. delightful women, and, uh, and they physicians. really add to the show. Yes. And they're great physicians. And you and the two of them will be discussing the changing times in medicine. So you'll be on the show. It was taped in September because they're out in the Black Hills. So yes. you you talk to them and when you were in Rapid was, City. My hair was she, uh, my Lesser, hair was gone still at that point. And, and his hair's back now, folks. It's coming. It's coming back. Yeah. Boy, that's a lot more on top than you had you even so? a week ago. Yeah. Oh, really? It's really noticeable. <laughs> nice to have hair, huh? Nice well, to have hair. And they're going to be talking about changing times in medicine. We're going to take our first break while we think about the changing times that are occurring in medicine. We hope you might give us a call if you yeah, have any questions like, about what's going on in medicine today. Make your comments. What changes have you noticed? Many, I'm sure. But we'll be back right after this. Hey, welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I hope you're enjoying us. So far, we barely got started, and we did discuss tomorrow night's program, which will be changing times in medicine, and we'd love to talk about that today. Yeah. Rick, We're, I know you've seen huge changes in medicine, but just in the past 10 years or so, I'll bet you've seen quite a oh bit. Oh, man. I, you know, uh, a lot of it has to do with uh, some things that I'm not happy about. I, I am not happy about how the electronic medical record has gone. It had great potential to ease the burden of the paper record, make us have more information about the patient, make things easier, faster, more time to listen to the patient. Right now, 80% of the time, the physician or the 
clinician has to care for the patient is spent in front of that stupid computer. Every order has to be done by that uh, the by the computer through the computer. Um, you know, you order a lab test. You used to say to the hand the chart to the nurse and say, "Get a CBC at a panel C." And Not anymore. Now you have to. It's four clicks to get to ordering a CBC, and then four more clicks for a panel C, and then you have to explain why you're doing it, and then you have to, you know, there it, it goes on and on. It has not simplified things. It has taken uh, us away from our patients. Um, that's a change I'm very unhappy with. You're not about. happy with. No. And, uh, and my, my point is, you know, perhaps that's something that someone else could be doing, or perhaps that's something that the um, a a functional uh, uh, a power app could resolve. Uh, and uh, I think they'll get there. Almost everything that's needed in computers eventually evolves and gets better because so quickly. But right now, it's just frustrating because if you're a patient and your doctor is there typing away, you'd like to wring his neck or her yeah. neck because you want him to pay attention well, to you, and they really are. They have to fill in all this stuff on the computer. Yeah, but the the you know what is it developed? It's called IT. Now we have the people who fix the record there's a developing profession all these people have a job now it was sort of like the typists who were who were uh who were typing out the dictations that we would do they all lost their job and now we have it people who we're have jobs and their jobs uh have been uh, uh advantaged by making it more complicated i'm afraid you know job security is to make it less functional and i you know and and uh I'm I'm being negative, but uh, I'm angry because this is an inappropriate move in our whole country, and the physicians are caught on a you know caught with this, and are are very frustrated. I think the the answer will come from physicians, not from IT, and not from the the billing people who want you know who who have developed a system primarily for billing and justification of billing. Justifies the billing, justifies your actions, and you'd never needed to have your actions justified I, like that. I that's should what's not so frustrating. have to. You know, and that's the other thing. Uh, part of what we've done through the computer has to say we have protocols. Now let's talk about protocols. Uh, a protocol is when a person comes in with chest pain and you think it's an MI, then these things should be done. Now I remember in our emergency room, Scotty Roberts did the first protocol. And he had a set of orders for an acute MI. You know, there was a standard order that was a blank sheet for everybody else who was admitted, but people who had an acute myocardial infarction had a standard What's a myocardial infection? A heart attack. All right, I thought so. But people coming in with a heart attack, here are the things that should be done. And I remember taking Scotty Roberts's deal, you know, and he had done the initial work and all of the initial planning and and he had done it you know three four years before i had been there and he was really it was like the first protocol in south dakota and i revised it i mean yeah, there was new data to suggest that a baby aspirin needed to be started uh there was um we you know and i and i made these changes i put them out to all the doctors scotty was a little angry but then he made some changes and we ended up with a protocol for an acute myocardial infarction that made everybody um, 
you know, if you're in the middle of the night, you come in and a person's having a heart attack, it's easy to go check, 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 and you've got all these things that were done rather than to reinvent the wheel every time they came in. So it was a good thing. So a protocol but you done didn't well have, makes but sense. You, but you didn't have to follow every little thing that they that was laid out there. We changed, you know, what, what it is is it's, it's a recipe for a cake. These are the things that you should do every time uh, they come in. Or these are things that you might do. Uh, don't forget to order this or consider this option. Okay? So it's a recipe. Of course, when if, if I, I imagine going to your kitchen, Joan, your recipes, uh, well... They vary I'm just a bit. Very, well, I might <laughs> add a little bit more flour because I want this a little juicier. I'm going to add some pudding. I heard sometime you might add blah, blah, blah. Uh, let's face it. Uh, every individual is different. When there's more than one problem, you've got a protocol that's going to be different because you've got all these things. And because you're a physician and well-trained, you're going to do it. You're going to do it you're differently. You're going to make changes, right? A protocol should be a pattern that you might consider. Okay? But in today's medicine, you, you are have being to. evaluated by whether you follow that protocol or not. The quality of the physician measurement is how well you follow a stupid protocol that was just a pattern, just a recipe that you might consider, and certainly vary according to the needs of that individual patient. Every individual is different. So now we're stuck with following protocols and almost all of the protocols have heavy-handedly been um, uh, devised by pharmaceutical industry that always suggests another drug. Another drug. Ah. Well, you know, I asked about changes in medicine. I was kind of hoping for something positive. Rick, we're less than a week from Christmas. We can talk Now, you got to think about happy things. But before we uh, switch to that, we did have a caller come in with a question. Maybe we should take that. Change the topic, but we'll go back okay, to we'll be back modern to changes in medicine that are all positive, right? Okay, yeah, okay. positive, positive. Right now, we had a 68-year-old woman call in. Her fingernails are rough and raised ridges. Her husband's are smooth and shiny. Lucky oh. him. <laughs> but hers are rough and raised. I think this is the written below that the eyes have small dark circles in the whites of each eye. Would that have anything to do I think with that's the a ridges? Separate question. That sounds like a separate question. Huh? Let's, let's okay, let's go with the first one. Uh, rough and raised ridges on her fingernails. She's rough. 68. I got to tell you, hon, just getting older does it to you. But <laughs> you go ahead, Rick. What's your answer? <laughs> so part of the rough raised ridges. Um, uh, is probably is very possibly due to the um, hand washing that she's doing and the dishwashing. She works harder than he does. Yeah, he okay. may he may like never <laughs> his hands may never touch water, you know. Because and she she's may be doing all the she work. may be doing a lot of scrubbing. There might be some toxins from the that would make the cleansing yeah. in her hands. Uh, there it may there's other things uh, metabolically uh, the. If the thyroid is too high or too low, it'll change your nails. Um, if uh, you are low on iron, uh, it can change your nails. Uh, if you uh, have any kind of undiscovered uh, um, illness internally, uh, it can change your nails. People who have heart failure will have cha changed nails. People who get chemotherapy 
have changed nails that I can show you the the lines and the ridges on mine Yours because not, are not as beautiful as they used to no. be. Oh, um, I'm so sorry to hear. And that. it can time. You know, you can time when an event happened to a nail because a nail will grow out if you're a young person in about three months. If you're an older person in about six. Okay. So um, if you had, for example, somebody hit you with a hammer at the base of the nail. In about six months, the, the, the nail will have pushed that, that funny change in your nail all the way off. It just grows from the back all the way forward. Um, and if, in my nails, you can see ridges that occurred three months ago and four months ago uh, because of the chemotherapy. Because of chemo, right. Uh, the, there's a lot of answers for her. Uh, one of them is no big deal. It's it, it just you your characteristic, uh, but I would uh, touch base with your physician about your nails, ask about your iron levels, ask about your thyroid, ask about your metabolic status, uh, maybe even consider some broad uh, uh, lab work to see if your calciums are okay and you, have, you don't have anemia. So it's worth checking into it. It's worth talking okay. to your physician about it. Your nails are not... Uh, like your husband's, and uh, wondering what might be happening. Okay. So the next visit with the doctor, be sure to bring this up. Yeah. And more than likely, as you said, it's fine, but it doesn't hurt to check all those other possibilities. Right. On that note, we're going to take our next break. We'll be back right after these words. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. Happy to have you listening. Joan Hogan here with Dr. Holm, ready to answer your questions. And we've had two interesting questions. I threw them together at first. I didn't realize um, our secretary just put them all on one sheet. So the second question has to do with small dark circles in a, the caller's eyes. The dark circles are in the whites of each eye. Right. What do you think could be causing that? Well, there are a lot of things that happen in the whites of the eyes. The whites of the eyes are um, less important, really. The iris is an important mechanism that, that, uh, that allows the pupil to be very tiny when you have too, you're too bright outside and it, and it limits the amount of light that comes in or can dilate uh, the pupil, which is really, the pupil is just the opening that allows the light to come into the, through the, eyeball and, and uh, reflect through the lens on the back of the eye. And the iris is an active deal, and if, you'd, if something's happening with the iris, then you can have glaucoma problems and so on. Um, if, but uh, in the whites of the eye, uh, you can see a variety of different things. Sometimes there's an erosion of the white and you see little dark spots. Uh, I think that just comes with aging for, for many people. Um, I'm I'm not certain. Uh, I would I would make a point. That the one that Vance Thompson always says when he's on my show is, don't rub your eyes. Stop rubbing your eyes. Are you rubbing your eyes? Did you get in a bad habit of rubbing your eyes? Don't do that. It misshapens your eyes. It causes corneal problems, which is the the cover of the of the eye that forms over the iris and the pupil. Um, uh, but uh, I, I think my answer is I don't know really very well the answer to this question. It's a good question. My suspicion is it's some erosions of the white uh, part. It's, uh, it's a minimal issue. 
if you're rubbing your eyes, stop rubbing your eyes. And um, I did, I did want to add uh, the pterygium. Have you ever heard of pterygium? I have not. Pterygium. No. Is it to P-T- do with the eyes? P-T-E-R-I-G-I-U-M. Something <laughs> okay. like that. Pterygium. P-T. P-T. And, um, and what pterygium, is that? That is a, a kind of a, a, a irritated thickening of the white of the eye that grows in toward the iris. And it's just kind of a irritated thing that you see with people as they get older. And uh, if it gets too close or too big and it's pushing toward the iris, sometimes the, the ophthalmologist will peel that off surgically. Uh, and that might have something to do with the question uh, that was a, well, it uh, sounds given. as though uh, the person calling in this question probably should make an appointment with their eye doctor. Right. An optometrist yeah. or an ophthalmologist, get in, have it looked Let at. Let them look at it, and then you won't be worried. That's right. Don't worry. Be I happy. Th- when was your, yeah, don't worry. Be happy. Be happy. When right. was your last visit? Probably more than in a year. Get in. and I mean, at, at this time of our lives, when we're older than 40 or 50, we, Aren't should, we, though? we should have an eye check once a year for sure. For sure. So don't ignore your eyes. Okay. You know, that kind of answers a question. I had cataract surgery, and I'm so pleased with that. I couldn't, couldn't be happier. Oh, I, my. I haven't had 20-20 vision since I was 12. So it's just, it's amazing. I've worn glasses since I was 12 and then switched to contact lenses. And just to get up in the morning and no contacts, whatever. But I got a note, a postcard from my eye doctor. You're due for an appointment. I thought, I don't need to see you. My eyes are perfect. (laughs) But you just answered, I do need to see him. Yes, you do. I mean, you don't know whether you have glaucoma or not. You don't know whether there is some changes happening that have significance. And you want to preserve your vision. So take a little bit it's worth it to see him okay i really thought oh i'll never have to see him again my eyes are great but i'm wrong i will get back to the to my eye doctor and make the appointment and get in and make sure everything is fine now we said earlier on we were talking about the changes in medicine changing times in medicine and i thought of something that could be positive your two physicians work in rural medicine I'll bet the changes in rural medicine have been positive for them am i right on that there uh you know i I jumped on the major things that have that irritated really irritate me. you. I understand that. And yeah. you asked me changes, and so there they are. Uh, am I happy about um, other changes that have occurred? One major change is women in medicine. It's about 50-50 now. And if you think about it, it's about 50% uh, uh, of the human beings out there that need medical care are women. Are women. And w- women prefer particularly when it's in a private area, to be examined by a woman most of the time. I think that's a good thing, that women are available in medicine now. I would say that uh, right now, uh, one of the best things that have happened in in medicine um, has to do with the electronic connection of the rural areas to the the centers. Um, There is an EICU that started at Avera McKinnon, and it is utilized by hospitals throughout the country that this EICU connects to hospitals in rural areas and in non-rural areas, and you've got an on-call guy or gal who is monitoring like crazy every little nuance of pressures and pulses and 
and uh, whatever's being monitored in that intensive care unit on that patient. And uh, instead of at night, everybody going to bed, except for the nurse who's stuck in an, in an ICU and is uncomfortable, um, and this guy's, they're showing subtle changes, but she's busy doing 14 other things. And so the EICU has been a tremendous boon to rural health care. Look at what's happened in, in Brookings. For a period of time prior to the EICU, nurses were less and less comfortable with a very sick guy in Brookings. And so they would be referred to Sioux Falls, even when the doctor, me, wanted to keep the patient. <laughs> the hospital and the nurses said, you know, we're not staffed well enough. We can't I do mean, this. We can't do this. This patient's too sick. I don't want to have to be responsible for this man's And care. that makes sense. And so they would yeah. be shipped with the EICU. Um, it's no longer needed. four eyes on it. The nurses reassured uh, the, the, uh, if there's a problem, the EICU uh, person in Sioux Falls uh, will, will say, we, now you need to sh ship the patient because there is something happening that you can't handle there that we can handle. Or you're, I'm comfortable, give the ma man uh, uh, this drug and let's monitor so, so it's benefited the medicine, it's but it's also benefited the family of that patient because they, they don't have stay. to drive to Sioux Falls all the time. They're right here in Brookings, which is great. And the nurse gets better because uh, she's he or that she support. has the support of the EICU and, it, and is more comfortable handling a very sick person. I just knew you'd find positive things about oh. medicine <laughs> changes. I knew you would. That's a real uh, positive. There, uh, let me... You haven't even gotten me started about oh, there's the, more. Okay. <laughs> the advantages of new cancer therapies ah. and uh, the realization that it's the chemo that really has been the most powerful uh, improvement in cancer care. Take, for example, pancreatic cancer. Um, it used to be uh, that they would just do the surgery, the Whipple procedure, and then they'd kind of watch, see if they got it all. Well, in uh, 92 to 96 percent of the cases, they didn't, because that darn cancer uh, uh, spreads. It has a walling off method. If you've read the Brookings Register and the research going on in Brookings at SDSU, pancreatic cancer in particular has a walling off method that kind of protects the cancer from getting the def uh, to being affected by our own immune system and the chemos. Uh, but anyway, what happens now is, and this is what my surgeon said to me at the Mayo Clinic, uh, he said, if you take the chemo and you take four doses or less uh, before your Whipple surgery, before the surgery, then you have a two-year uh, prognosis. If you take more than four chemotherapies, before the surgery, you have a five-year survival after uh, the Whipple procedure. The chemo makes a huge difference. It's the chemo that matters, and that's why we are better now. We're going to be better in pancreatic cancer, and it's, we're, we are getting better with breast cancer and with lung cancer and with um, all the different kidney forms, cancers and right. all of the different forms. We are, we are honing in on a chemotherapy that may, that is uh, sometimes successful 
in getting a cancer, uh, particularly the microscopic spread of certain kinds of cancers. So that's definitely a positive. So there have been many positive changes, although there are negatives. We'll go for the positive because it's close to Christmas. We're going to take our final break. We'll be back right after this. Hi, welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. We just have a few minutes remaining. And uh, during the break, Bob asked Rick, what do you think of telemedicine? And of course, the EICU is a form of telemedicine, but there are other forms of telemedicine. What do you think of telemedicine, Dr. Holm? Well, it used to be that um, I would call Sioux Falls, try to get a hold of an infectious disease guy, and I'd get him on the phone and say, I've got this case with this kind of infection. What do you think? And the infectious disease guy would say reluctantly because he knew he wasn't going to get any billing. His expertise was being tapped, but he, he had no payment for it. Uh, and I'm taking up his time. He would say, well, <clears throat> I'd use this antibiotic and I would do this. Send them if you get into trouble. And I would send them if they got into trouble. But I would use, I would tap his, his expertise. Advice. Right. Now I can do an E. Um, an e-infectious disease consult, and the infectious disease consult can spend some time looking at the whole case of the patient and advise an antibiotic. Uh, Let's take uh, cancer therapy. When I was, uh, uh, there is an oncologist that came, that comes to Brookings once a month, but uh, he was tapped. I mean, he was doing some research, he was not available, Da da da, and when I needed an oncologist, they set me up with Dr. Mark Huber, who is an oncologist out of McKinnon. And um, my first visit with Mark Huber was over the teleconference. Uh, I'm in Brookings at the clinic, and he's in Sioux Falls at, in his uh, in his clinic, and I and I see him on uh, the the deal. He reviews my lab. We have a conversation, and he advises me about about therapy, he said last time, I want to feel your uh, liver, nurse. Uh, and the nurse examines my, feels my liver, puts a, um, a recording thing over my heart uh, and listens to my heart and puts the recording device over my lungs and listens to the lungs. Um, the uh, And he's getting that result as she's doing it. Correct. Is that what you said? Right, That's right, amazing. Right. So okay. uh, there's e-psychiatry. Uh, you really don't need to hear the heart and the lung. Mostly you need to talk to the patient. And if you think there, uh, uh, there is a deficiency uh, in healthcare in America in any particular field, I'll tell you where the field is, and it's in psychi- psychiatry and psychology and, and mental health. Uh, we need to expand that, and uh, particularly into rural areas, uh, and this is the way to do it. So uh, I think... This is a tremendous advancement um, to help give people access to health care. And so I'm a fan of e-healthcare. Well, it's great. You know, we're just a couple minutes out, but I want to remind people, if you want to know more about the changing times in medicine, Dr. Holmes' program tomorrow night on South Dakota Public Television at 7 o'clock will have Dr. Holm and the two Dr. Falkenbergs, Joy and Jolene two women who practice medicine in the Black Hills? or I don't think they're right in Rapid City, are they? Uh, no. Actually, no. Jolene is in, uh, uh, I think, Wyoming. Oh, and okay. uh, Right across the border. Right across the border. And Joy and is? Joy is in Custer. Okay. So the two women practice medicine, and they talk about the change in times in medicine and how it has affected their rural practices. 
And right now, Rick and I are just going to wish all of you a very Merry Christmas. We so appreciate you listening to our program over the years. It is really a pleasure to have you as our people who pay attention to us. It's yeah. kind of nice that someone pays well, attention to us. Even huh? if they don't pay attention. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're listening. They're listening. Well, we we appreciate uh, the opportunity to, to uh, provide this volunteer service. And I have to say... Uh, what a joy it is to get to know Bob so well these years and to get to know Joan uh, and, uh, you know, an, an opportunity to share information, uh, to try to bring the best information that we can to all of you. So, Sp- Speaking about best information, yeah. you have another book signing. Is it tonight? T- tonight in DeSmet. So at all the you DeSmet people. At what store? The Ward Store. The Ward Ward. Store. Everybody in DeSmet knows Knows the the Ward Ward Store. store. Okay, well, that's all for this week. Have a Merry Christmas. Rick, that's all for now. Thank you, Joan. Thank you, Bob. And Merry Christmas, everybody.